We're excited to launch season three of the Love Fort Wayne podcast. The Love Fort Wayne podcast connects the stories of leadership happening in Northeast Indiana to imagine, inspire, and ignite transformation in leaders 20 to 25 minutes at a time. I'm Jeff King, CEO and Executive Director of Love Fort Wayne. At Love Fort Wayne, we know that the pillars of a flourishing community are its schools, its leaders, churches, and families. Join us as we learn from leaders across the region on how to not just lead, but love our city. Hey, welcome everybody uh, to the latest episode of the Love Fort Wayne podcast. I'm Jeff King, the CEO of Love Fort Wayne. Excited about our podcast today. I'm with a friend of mine, Angelo Monti. And Angelo, welcome. Thank you, brother. It's and, good to be here. Yeah, I'm glad that you're you're with us today. And before I dive in, I, I'd be remiss. I want to say thank you to some some folks that support us, Angelo, like Brotherhood Mutual and Star Financial. They support us. Uh, Tom Shepard supports this opportunity for us to dive in and have mm-hmm. a conversation uh, and try to encourage some folks 20 to 30 minutes here at a time. And so, uh, Angelo, uh, would you introduce yourself to the folks that are listening that uh, don't know who you are? Sure. Um, so my name's Angelo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a, a United Methodist pastor. Uh, my uh, role right now is I'm the executive director of Alive Community Outreach, which is a new-ish nonprofit. Yeah. We got started in uh, 2019. Uh, our mission is to cultivate a community of nonviolence through relationships and education. So um, I know we'll get more d- uh, deep into the the work that we do, but uh, it's very personal to me. Yeah. Um, aside from that, my ministry, I'm a husband, mm-hmm. um, my beautiful wife, Marie, and we have five children mm. in four different schools. <laughs> Lord help us. Um, so, uh, but that's, that's my heart right there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for introducing yourself. And so, uh, for those of you tuning in, like the conversation today is going to be multifaceted because, um, as Angelo, you spoke about it's. Um, with the Alive program, I'm so excited to dive into it. I I, mm. I learned more and more about it this this past uh, end of summer. You and I had a great couple hour conversation, just recatching up. Uh, but it, it's a multifaceted ministry and outreach that um, is serving within our schools here locally in Fort Wayne for folks that are here or not from here tuning in. Uh, but also, it's just beyond serving our students. It's 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 serving their families. Um, I know it's connecting generation to generation in some really cool ways that we'll dive into. And so this is a, a, a such a needed outreach in ministry, this this concept of of peace um, mm. and, and unity and nonviolence and peacemaking, mm. um, and especially in our culture and society. Personally, I, I feel that way. But you, you mentioned something uh, about. Alive being personal to you. Can you share with uh, the audience as we dive in now, like what brought you back to Fort Wayne um, and how this outreach, this ministry, which just personally has been personally laid on your heart? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised here in in Fort Wayne and um, we uh, my wife and I moved away with our daughter back in 2009 to go to Atlanta. Um, went down there for school, went to seminary down there and um, started building the life. We went down there not knowing how long we were going to stay, but it's Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And after I started being able to ride my bike in December and January, I'm like, you know what? I think we might stick around here. <laughs> so uh, we had a few more children when we were down there and 
Um, life was good uh, until I, I got a call on September 13, 2016, that my first cousin here in Fort Wayne was murdered. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, I have three older siblings. I don't have any. I was the baby in my family, but he was like a little brother to me growing up. And so this is one of those things. Just, it, it shook me to to my core. Like I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And um, I came back to Fort Wayne um, to attend the funeral, ended up officiating the funeral. Mm. And even right then in the pulpit, as I was delivering the eulogy, I felt God tugging on me. It's Mm. time to, it's time to come home. It's time to go back home. And uh, went back to Atlanta. My wife and I prayed about this and um, the following year we were here and it, it was the, the call of Abram has mm-hmm. all has resonated mm-hmm. with me, um, throughout this whole process because it, God didn't give me a clear vision or any details about why we were coming back home. It was just a go, yeah. you know, yeah. I'll show you later. Yeah. And it was just, it, it, there've only been a couple of times in my life where I've, I've, I've felt a calling that strong mm. and, um, it was it was powerful, you yeah. know, and and people just say, oh, "Well, it's so great of you to come back home." I, I didn't have a choice. When yeah. God calls you like That's that, right. yeah, you just got to go. And so we came back, and that first year was serving in a church and uh, trying to figure things out, getting to know a lot of families who've been affected by violence, getting to know mm-hmm. community leaders, different programs, really trying to identify the gaps in all of it, and eventually this vision for uh, for alive emerged, but. Um, it's been hard, man. For per- personally, for my family, we just uh, last week was uh, the uh, the one year anniversary, or the excuse me, the seven year anniversary uh, for uh, 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 or of, of his death, and it's still a struggle. Yeah, it's still a struggle. He he had uh, three kids, mm-hmm. um, and the the oldest is a freshman in high school, and it's it's hard. There are it's profound hard. implications that we're still dealing with in my own family, and yeah. I've seen that in. Dozens and dozens of families uh, across the community that we've worked really closely with. Mm-hmm. So. It's really interesting, you know. Part of our story that we're connected to, you and I, is that like your cousin. I went to school with him. Like I, you know, I grew up, went to elementary school and, yeah. and high school with him. And our smaller schools, you know, everybody. And yeah. so I knew him um, as a as a young person. And Nick uh, Powers was yeah, his name. Yeah, I'm really sure to yeah, yeah lift yeah. that up. Yeah. And so we, you know, thank you for saying his name is we don't we don't want to forget that. And just the for me, you even sharing that portion, I think it's great for folks who are listening anywhere that, you know, the life that we continue to live after a tragic loss, a violent loss, um, you know, shouldn't be absent minded of those who continue to to wear and bear the loss of that person that they love. Yes. Um, it, it's such a, a a profound thing for me because it can be off your mind in a second. Your heart might break in the moment, but then it's it's off your mind in a second, those folks who are still living life with that grief, with that loss, yeah. with, with that hole. Yeah. Constant reminders, holidays, birthdays, mm-hmm. the day of death, you know, yeah. is a big thing. And you know, it is. And I, I didn't get that. You know, I grew up, I had friends that were murdered. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I, I'm new to all of this, but it's so different when yeah. it's family. That's right. And this is my cousin. Right. It's a whole other level, even for mothers, for fathers, you know, who've mm-hmm. lost a child mm-hmm. um, or children who've lost a parent. Um, and 
and what we found is that with so many families, um, it's 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 very common for them to have experienced this more than once. Yeah. Oh. You know, so like huh. my cousin, so like my you know my my uh, Nick's oldest um, son, you know, he's he lost not just his father, but he's lost an uncle. Mm. You know, and there, there are lots of other families like that that yeah. lost them. You know, multiple people, and and so it's just my at the funeral. Um, my cousin's funeral, I looked out and saw all the kids and, you know, just like knowing that many of them had been to multiple homicide mm. funerals and they're four years old, five years old. And what does that do to your psyche growing yeah, up and seeing right. that this is, this is normal. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not normal. We've normalized not, we've it, normalized it, but yeah. this is, this is not normal. It's not what God wants mm-hmm. for any of us. Right. So yeah, it's, it's so profound, the generational impact of it all. Man. And um, if it doesn't break your heart as you're you're listening to the reality, not just right. a story, a right. reality that for many children, parents and loved ones, this is something that hits them more than once in their lifetime. Yeah. I mean, I mean, your your heart has got to be softened for that or gentle and and, and mourning in that, because like you mentioned, it's not what the Lord desires. Right. And I know his his heart mourns for it as well. And so that 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 is this that's a key part of your story of what brought you back to yeah. Fort Wayne. And I love how you said when you when you and your wife felt that prompting, it was like, well, we don't have a decision to make. It's been made. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> We're coming right. back. And so right. you're 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 serving in ministry, yeah. which you've always you've done for a long time. You're back for a year. You're right. serving at the church and you're learning for, well, about what's happening in Fort Wayne with victim assistance programs and outreaches, those who are who are leading in those efforts. And we do have a great contingency of people who are a doing great good work yeah. and outreach and nonprofits yeah. for with mothers that have lost um, right. families, victim assistance, so on and so forth. He said, you're looking at the gaps. <laughs> and yeah. at some point you all were prompted to start Alive. Right. Tell me a little bit more about Alive and um, wh- what it is. Again, you gave us a highlight as you were introducing yourself. Right. But what's the meat and potatoes? What's the calling? What was the calling into the step of of starting Alive? So we we started initially around supporting victims and there are lots of other great things that are happening in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the areas where we started was a support group. Um, I had sat in on, on some other grief support groups in the community and saw, okay. Um, on one hand, grief is grief. Like if you lose somebody uh, close to you, if you lose a spouse, doesn't matter how, if you lose a child, doesn't matter how you're grieving. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so grief connects us as, as humans, we all experience that, but there are some unique dynamics with homicides. Mm. So, and I think one of those is that somebody did this, right? This was, this was an intentional thing that, that somebody did. So you're wrestling with that and the whole issue of forgiveness and unforgiveness and what to do with that. And then the justice process. Like working through yeah. that, there are a lot of families, including my own, that there has not been any justice, no arrests made, nothing. And so there's that. Yeah. And often with the justice process, another thing that complicates it is that the family knows, the streets know mm-hmm. who did it. Mm. And you got to go out and see this person, right? Yeah. But for a whole host of reasons, one of which being witnesses 
not being willing to come forward and speak. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they it never goes to uh, to trial or any of this. There are wow. there are all yeah. these dynamics, right? And so um, there was a light bulb that went off for me early on when we we had this focus group of families who've been affected, um, and there was these these two mothers that started having a conversation. This was a roundtable discussion, but for about 10 minutes, these two had a discussion and it was like none of the rest of us were even there. Wow. And the one mother just broke down and she said, this is the first time that I've sat down with somebody Mm. who understands what I'm going through. Wow. You know? Yeah. And there's something to be said about therapy and going to, you know, that going through that process. And that's something that we promote with our families. But the support group has its own role and purpose in that having people, people come together that have been through this unimaginable tragedy, this trauma that they're mm-hmm. experiencing and being able to um, have a place where they're understood. Yeah. You know, so even our co our our is our co victim care uh, program is what we call it now. But our our um, director Cynthia, mm-hmm. you know, she lost her son. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was very important for us to have somebody overseeing that part of the work, uh, who's been there. You That's know, right. and so she lost her son on Easter Sunday morning yeah, in 2018, on his way to church to meet his mom. Yeah, and she found out at church, got a phone call. So that that's the one side in saying, you know, how can we um, come alongside families for the long term. That's another thing that we saw. You know, you have, um, you know, think about like victim assistance. They have so many cases that come through mm-hmm. uh, their their uh, their department, and so they got to get families through a process. You know, yeah. and so for us, we're trying to create a long term kind of support network for families, so that we're we're not getting families through a process. Um, we're we're helping them to get to a point where they can turn their pain into purpose. But then part of that is. How can they, you know, if you've been through this and you're five, 10 years, 15 years down the road, how can you come alongside a family that's just just now experiencing it and going through it? And so um, so that's that side of the work. Right. So but uh, as we got into this, we said, all right, what God's called us to do this and we're going to continue to do this um, with victims, victims, families, but what can we add to this? What can we do around prevention and intervention mm-hmm. and nonviolence and peacemaking? This is something that I've been passionate about for a long time. I did my um, uh, college thesis in whatever year that was, you know, <laughs> on this stuff, you yeah. know, so I, I've had an interest in yeah. it for a long time, but I started looking around at nonviolence and peacemaking programs around mm-hmm. the country. And, um, I ended up going down to, to get some training in Selma, Alabama yeah, yeah, with Bernard Lafayette, yeah. uh, who was one of Dr. King's right hand people. He was at mm-hmm. the Lorraine motel actually the day King mm-hmm. was assassinated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I went through this nonviolence training with them uh, in the Kenyan, in the Kenyan tradition of nonviolence. And that connected me to this whole network, uh, of people that were doing nonviolence trainings in prisons and schools and communities. And, uh, there were, uh, there was one in particular that, that elevated to the top of the list for us. And it's in Chicago. It's called North Lawndale college prep. Okay. And, uh, they had a teacher who was doing this school after school club around um, nonviolence and the principal asked her what it would take to implement her work school wide. Mm -hmm. And so they did that. And 
ended up reducing fights the first year by 70%. And they've sustained that over a decade. So we went to Chicago, learned from them, came back, ended up having this vision uh, for a Peacemaker Academy, Uh, had the conversation with the principal at Southside High School. So we got to start somewhere. Um, So let's start there. We already had some organic relationships through City Life with Southside. Uh, And we did not anticipate for it to take off like it has. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the idea is that we we have a three-week academy in the summer. Um, We teach kids the principles of nonviolence, Dr. King's principles of nonviolence, steps of nonviolence, how to analyze violence at the root level. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then after you do all of that, and also cultivating inner peace, that's a big part of it too, and dealing with our trauma. But then how do you actually organize for peace? Yeah. And, yeah. and starting at the school and seeing the school as a microcosm of the larger community. Because if, right. if these students can institutionalize peace and build a culture of peace here, huh. well, these are our, our leaders of of organizations right. and other, you know, in the future. And so uh, in just a, just a couple of years into this, we're seeing amazing impact and results and, and the school district has taken notice and we're, uh, talking with them currently about expanding this into all five high schools. Yeah. There's a big referendum coming up and man, so we're part of that. And so yeah. it's just, God has been so yeah, he has. good, man. And we're just, yeah, I'm just kind of, we don't feel like we, we initially we started this thing and, and, you know, I'm not sure at what point this happened, but now it feels like, we're not really leading anything. It's just, we're mm-hmm. here for the ride. Like God, we're, <laughs> we're, uh, you're in the driver's seat and we're just, you yeah. know, we're just here for the ride experiencing this, but it's been pretty cool. Yeah. I love it, man. I, I'm smiling at you. I mean, over here. Cause I, I, I think about like, when we have these conversations, we, we want to invite folks who are loving our city, uh, collaboratively in unity, you know, in four specific areas. If it's, if it's, if they're a pastor, if they're a leader, if they're in education, they're in family ministry, if they're loving in those areas, they're part of those areas. But <clears throat> I, I knew our conversation mm-hmm. would be multifaceted because of the work that you all do in loving families and yeah. such this this life altering forever situation that they're in, circumstance that they're in. But also, as you just mentioned, um, the work that now God has said now I need you to love within my schools as well, where my where yeah. where my emerging leaders, where uh, the children are. Um, it's just a beautiful thing. So this 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 multifaceted conversation, this dual faceted conversation of of loving families well, but also loving schools well via this these peacemaking efforts. You said this phrase that caught my attention, which is institutionalized peace, yeah. which is just this this concept that I would really love everybody just to soak in one right. more time. Like to institutionalize peace and kindness yeah. and love and all the things that peace is truly, truly rooted in. Right. Uh, I, I just love that concept and, and the concept of we're going to institutionalize it. We're going to deeply root it in the lives of students, because if they can get it, they reverberate it out into their school. Right. For the time that they're there over, you know, four years, depending their age, one year if they're senior in the academy, but then they go to wherever God sends them or they come back into their city. Now they're raising their own kids and they're working in their jobs and they're working in their business and whatever it is, they've got this firmly rooted grasp of what it means to truly love another person Mm. and to lead with peace, even in hard circumstances. It's just, it's, it's simple, (laughs) 
but but it but it's not simple because I personally think about how many times somebody really frustrates me. Right, right, right. <laughs> and we've had these yeah. conversations. It's like yeah. how someone can really, really frustrate me as a father, mm-hmm. um, whatever it may be. And and the human nature is what am I about to do <laughs> to make sure that my child is taken care of, that this situation is taken care of. And often we don't think first peacefully. <laughs> right. We don't think about going lower. We don't think about the peace posture that we're actually called to take mm-hmm. um, with one another, especially as believers. But even those who don't believe in Jesus, that this concept of, uh, are their, their, their seekers or their pre-seekers, like that concept of peace in the world is sometimes lost. But I just want to commend you all because of the work that you're doing in your schools. And so you. uh, we're, um, you know, as we as we get close to closing now, I just want to hear some stories about what you all have seen so far with the Peace Academy um, yeah. serving at Southside High School, but also having the conversations in the city about where else this is needed within our schools. Like what what are some outcomes? What are some positive stories that you can share with us today? Well, so the the first story that comes to mind. Um, so last year. Um, it was the beginning of the year and most of our work at Southside at that point was oriented around leaders, mm-hmm. you know, so students, so the, our summer Academy that I talked about, um, that's for students who are leading positively for the most part, every now and then we'll look at a, at a student who may have a little bit of a past, but mm-hmm. be ready to, um, to lead in a positive way. Um, it's not an intervention program. Yeah. Okay. But we were looking to do some more intervention type of work. Yeah. And uh, so our staff, Chris, who's there at Southside, he talked with the administration. He said, "Hey, you know, we we would like to connect more with kids that that are acting out." And uh, I I don't even think he got through his his sentence. And this particular administrator was like, "Well, I got just the kid for you to start <laughs> with," because um, he was having a lot of issues at the time. And so uh, Chris connected with him. Uh, but at the same time, we had a Bible study going on in our church around violence, gun violence. And uh, one of the folks it was mainly older members of the church. And one of them said, uh, you know, what what can we do to help? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great. We're learning about all this. But what can we do to help? So we, where we had them start was to pray for this young man. Mm. I'll, I'll call him Joe. You yeah. Know? Pray for Joe. Here's what's going on with Joe. And so they did. And. That week that we commit, they committed to praying for him. Chris was able to connect with him in the in the school and learn about his story and all kinds of trauma. Yeah, all kinds of traumas. Like if I've been through what he's been through, I'd probably be punching everybody I see too. You yeah, know, yeah. Like just been through a lot uh, with no real support. Um, and so learned his story. But then in the midst of that conversation, he said to Chris that he didn't want to keep living like that and that he wanted to be a peacemaker. Mm. Chris was like, really? Wow. He's like, well, you got beef with such and such, this other student at school. He said, how about we start there? And he was like, all right. He was like, okay, let's call him down right now. Wow. So they got this other student out of class, called him down there, and they ended up having this conversation. Uh, and reconciled right then and there mm. and it was done it was over wow. with wow uh, and so it's been a journey with this particular student there are ups and downs you know everybody loves a good uh road to damascus story where you right. just turn on a dime you know <laughs> hasn't been all of that there's been some ups and downs but 
he's still at school. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't been um, expelled or whatever. And that, that was the path that he was on. And so he's been involved in our in our peace club and our programming. And so that that that's one of the stories that I, I think of. And I say, man, there, there are lots of kids in our schools right now who are going down a real dark path. That's right. Yeah. And these are kids that we 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 see now because mm-hmm. often like teachers, educators, when you see a student that gets arrested for shooting somebody. Right. Or they or they get killed. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's not a surprise. Right. Like we can Man. we can identify who these kids are now. Wow. But we don't have always the 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 model to confront that. And then God bless our school administration and staff. I mean, they have 1500 kids mm-hmm. to think about, right? So it's really hard for them even to to isolate those kids, to give them all the support that they need. And so that's where we come in and say, well, let us really pour into this group of kids because institutionalizing nonviolence is about policies. And when you have kids acting out, repeat offenders, how are we going to address that? Are we going to just put them down a disciplinary path or are we going to try to do something more restorative, Mm -hmm. which is the direction that our school uh, system has been going in anyways, which is very uh, encouraging, I think. And so, uh, but yeah, that, but that, that story is power. And then the, the, what ended up coming out of that as well yeah. was the whole peace granny and grampy thing. Yeah. 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 Because that, after they prayed for this young man, that was, now it's like, all right, well, what next? You know? And then that, that turned into them uh, coming to lunch once a, a week mm-hmm. or once a month. Sorry. Um, but uh, that we're looking to expand that. And I don't know how many people we've had uh, 40 or 50 at one point or another that have been involved. We haven't even tried to grow that. Right. And so it's and just, so you been, got like the older generation. Mainly, of, uh, mainly there's some are, peace aunties and uncles yeah, in there yeah. now too, but yeah, but yeah. mainly retirees that yeah. that come into the school and bring candy and talk mm. to the kids and the kids are starting the kids to get to know it, them. Yeah. Oh, they love it. Yeah. They love it. And this was not an idea that we had. It just happened organically. Yeah. And, um, you know, like most great ideas I have, I didn't come up with it. You know? <laughs> like, it just, it just happened. Right. You know, so it's been, it's been really cool. You have to move. Yeah. I, like oh yes i another thing you got it all right we're gonna move we're gonna move well, and, and now they're looking at like there are other needs in the school uh, and you know and yeah. so they're like we we want them more i mean i right. think there there's space even for daily yeah know, volunteers mm-hmm. we've had a couple that have volunteered in the special needs um hall there in the school and so i don't know where this is going to go but it's a really really beautiful thing and as we expand so if the referendum passes in november um, the expansion of our program into all five schools, former community schools, is part of that. And so we're looking to grow that group because we, we would love to not split them up mm-hmm. um, to, or not have the, to have them just focus on on one school. Really yeah. to have this group, you pour into Southside and have another group pour into Northrop, so on and so forth. Um so that they can really get to know the kids and yeah, build relationships, right. Right. not just have a group of people come in and, right. you know, and, uh, but cause that's what it's all about. Yep. That's the antidote. It is. And we yeah. got, you know, the one lady, sorry, I'm, no, you know, go for it. The, one of our uh, ladies and, and this part of that, um, she uh, is uh, Rose is her name, but uh, 84 years old. And, um, I mean, she's just, just awesome, but she's faithful and coming into the school and, but she's built a relationship with one of our peacemaker students and he's a, a server in a restaurant. <laughs> and so now she's like, go, goes to the restaurant <laughs> and, you know, make sure she goes and checks in on them there. And so just seeing kind of how these relationships are building is, it's just been really beautiful. It's beautiful, man. Yeah. It is. 
great word to use. It is beautiful. You know, as we, I, I hope folks have just been encouraged t- tuning in, listening, um, because we want to uplift where folks are not only leading in their city, but loving their city mm. unto transformation that we cannot do on our own. Um, it's it, it's going to take the power of something that's greater than us when you and I know that. Uh, but I also believe it it takes that that convening power, that collaborative power of us to say yes to one another, to to do the work that we've been called to do, to see a flourishing city, to see transformation uh, in our city. And so my hope is that those who have tuned in that are from Fort Wayne, but also have tuned in from all over. This has been an encouragement to them mm. um, to say yes to the thing that your heart is being prompted to do, is being yeah. called to do, yeah. um, even if it's something that is personal and hard, like it's part of your story and your family's story, but uh, it's one of the beautiful ways we can love our towns, our cities, the places where we are is by uh, leaning in together to the need um, and loving people where they are. So again, I I think leading your city is loving your city uh, in these beautiful ways. And so as we close, can you, can you just tell folks where they can learn a little bit more about Alive? And I just talked about the beauty of convening and collaboration, maybe where they can be involved if it's hands and feet, if it's prayer, uh, share with folks how they can learn a little bit more, even perhaps get involved. Sure. So you can visit our website. So alivefw.org uh, or look us up on Facebook right now. That's all we got is Facebook, you know, trying to get more sophisticated <laughs> with the social media stuff. We have an Instagram page, but it's not that active. But uh, Facebook, we give a lot of updates as far as what we have going on. But um, as far as joining the Peace Family, that's mm-hmm. definitely a way to get involved because uh, we have an open door right now at Southside and hopefully soon into the other high schools. So if people want to get involved at that level and volunteering in the schools with us, uh, reach out. So you can reach out at info at alivefw.org um, or give me a call. So 260-305-0507. Uh, and I, I'd love to have a conversation about how to how to get involved. Deeper. Love that. I love yeah. that. A lot of school year left, y'all. A lot of school year left and also some need, I'm sure, with with the families that you work with on the other side. So yeah. Angelo, my brother, I appreciate you, man. Likewise, uh, brother. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And everybody, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I hope that you've enjoyed the listen. I'm ho- I hope that you're able to take down a few notes for yourself. And uh, uh, you'll hear me next month on our next Love Fort Wayne podcast. Until then, be blessed. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for joining us this month. We drop a new episode the first Monday of every month. Love Fort Wayne has some amazing episodes coming up. You don't want to miss a single one. So subscribe today wherever you are listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and leave a review. We want to share your thoughts and comments with listeners on future episodes. Thanks again for joining us today. Join us next time as we hear from leaders that don't just lead, but love our city.